Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Grounded UNSW. We are a student-run podcast and we hope to help other students increase their mental health literacy and learn employment and academic skills to reduce some of the major stresses in their lives. I'm Janvi and today I'm joined by my co-host Lucy. Today's episode is going to be all about international students life for them at uni and after uni, the struggles or challenges they might face, and how to secure a job. Before we start, we'd like to provide a little disclaimer. Our podcasts do cover various mental health topics and may be sensitive to some listeners at times. Feel free to pause or exit from the podcast whenever you want to. In case you need any help or support, please find the resources we have linked in the description boxes. Our guest speakers for today are Nionica and Winty. Thank you so much for joining us, guys. Winty is a Master of Commerce student of Sustainability and Social Impact at UNSW. She was nominated for the NSW International Student of the Year 2020 Award by UNSW. She worked as a live chat intern and as a supervisor for a peer mentoring service at UNSW during 2020 that gave her insights into how the pandemic affected the student community and how we can help them support better. Nionica is in her fifth year of Arts and Law and is currently the General Secretary on the UNSW SRC Board. She was the 2019 Study NSW International Student Award finalist and has been on various boards and organizations to help support international students. We've touched briefly upon who you are but perhaps you'd like to introduce yourselves more thoroughly and share more about your background with mental health. Nayonika? Hey, hey Lucy. Hey, Janri. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm Leonica. Just to give you a bit more background, I'm from the Middle East. My background's Indian. Um, and having seen, you know, the lived experience of second generation immigrant kids, um, I think it's something that all of us related to. So something that got me really into it. And as an international student myself, um, I feel quite passionately about it because, you know, you do a job while moving out of home and also um, juggle the fact that you have to be responsible for yourself and mental health is something that you don't actually have the tools um, to equip yourself for um, and with um, and so it's, it's it's an entirely new territory you know it's it's like giving a kid um, a new board game and being like ace this um, and that's that's why I really got into it um, but yes I am a fifth year arts law student as well so fairly old in the uni space and I understand how um, you know this feels and how talking about this can be um, normalized or you humorize it and you're like haha we're all depressed and things like that um, so I really just want to get out of that space and really address the fact that it is hard um, to get through uni and you know things are tough but yeah that's me thank you hello everyone I am Vinti an international student from India I am a board member of the Postgraduate Council at UNSW currently and I've also worked as a live chat intern and as a supervisor at UNSW. Right now, I work full-time at an Australian startup called Outcome.Live, where my role is to help students find internships in Australia. I absolutely love working for the international student community, and I'm always there to help anyone who reaches out to me. As for my experience with mental health, My long experience dealing with students in a confidential environment ensures I have insights about their struggles, feelings, and insecurities, among others, more than others. 
During my role working the live chat service, I was trained in recognizing and supporting students in the safest and best possible manner. All right. It sounds like we've got some pretty knowledgeable and passionate um, students on board with us today. So I guess bouncing off of that, um, what are some of the highlights and challenges that you two have ex- experienced as an international student? I guess, Vinti, let's start off with you this time. Sure. So being an international student away from family and friends and finding myself alone in Australia during a global pandemic made me understand mental health very intimately and how important it is to create awareness around it. The lack of a support system can be really daunting and scary for anybody, not just students. Some of my own challenges were worrying about the well-being of my family on the other end of the globe. It was the sheer loneliness that staying at home made me feel. The distractions of coming to the campus and hanging out in the library had suddenly stopped. And I came face to face with my own emotions that I had been running away from. The fear about my future, my dreams, it was tough. All right. Thank you so much, Vinti, for sharing that with us. I guess, uh, Nayonika, how were your experiences, challenges, highlights, anything you like to share? As, as Vinti said, I think this is something all international students relate to, which is, you know, that blanket and comfort of, you know, having that security that I can go back home and see my family. Um, 2020 really took that away from you. It really, um, you know, brought to life the fact that you've moved far away from home, started from scratch, you're doing everything by yourself. Um, you've essentially grown up in a month. You know, you're paying your bills, you're doing your own household work, um, you're taking care of yourself, but you're also doing uni and you have a job and you're doing all these magical things um, that people expect you to have together by your 30. Um, a lot of us have it together by the time you're in your 20s. So I think it's quite daunting because all of a sudden you are your own parent because you don't want to stress family back home out that, you know, you feel quite homesick and you miss them. But then you also want to um, feel that connection with them and you want to feel vulnerable around them because you feel the safest when you're vulnerable around them. So it's a very tricky space to navigate because you have to balance out how much you can handle and how much your family can handle. And um, everyone has their own individual circumstances, you know, like the whole pandemic hit everyone equally. But even apart from that, it is quite hard because when you move overseas, you leave behind your friendships, you leave behind your support network and you start from scratch. Um, And that can be quite tricky because you're essentially... Um, you know, meeting people for the first time, you have to find your bearings with who you can trust and who you can't trust and what sort of friendships you want to form, what sort of um, professional networks and personal networks that you want, um, what sort of reputation and, you know, um, personality that you want to create for yourself. You're basically creating a whole new person out of the sand. Um, and that's very daunting when you do it, you know, just straight out of high school or even a few years out of high school. You, I mean, if, if anyone had a dummy book for how to do life, I will take it, but I don't think anyone has one, which is why we're all figuring out who we are and how we do it. And that makes it quite tricky. Um, And especially when you're overseas, time difference is a huge thing. You can't just pick a phone up and just go, hey, I'm having a crisis or I'd like some advice. You have to be a lot more mindful and aware that, you know, you have your own life, your parents and your family and everyone back home has their own life now. Um, And it's a bit of that formality that creeps in as well. 
it's also a tricky job because you have to keep reminding yourself that they do care about you, that they do worry about you, that they do want you in their lives. And just because they can't answer right away or that they can't be there for you right away doesn't mean that they're, they're not there. It just means that, you know, logistics don't always add up. So it's it's a very tiring process because you have to be strong and you have to keep reminding yourself. But when you're by yourself, that's not an easy thing to do. Like as Vinti said, going to the library or, you know, finding other people to distract yourself with, it's a great opportunity. But when you can't do that, it gets quite tricky for sure. As you mentioned, Nayanika, being an international student is definitely like having someone give you a new board game and telling you to ace it and that to overnight. <laughs> Building on that, what were the biggest cultural differences or barriers that you might have had uh, had to face and how did you manage them? Nayonika? Yeah. Yeah. Um, sorry, I just realized I had to unmute it myself. But I think the biggest cultural barriers would be, um, simply to put it, everything. I come from the Middle East, but with a mixed background, um, it makes it quite tricky, right? The way you view familial connections, the way you view... Um, connections with age gaps, gender differences, um, the conversation around sexuality and well-being around gender, um, the degree of liberalism that you have, even within the population, it is a huge difference, right? So basically, everything is different. Everything that you think you knew about life, throw that book out, start a new book, start, start from scratch, learn your ABCs again, and then you go at it. But then the problem is not just learning it again. The problem is balancing what you were taught for so long, but also balancing what you have just learned because you're navigating this duality. You're like this triple life sometimes because you're stuck between being what you're taught, between what you know. Um, and I think it's a very interesting space because that does have a huge impact on your mental health because you are this person who believes in these certain rights and these certain principles and how you want to live your life. But then you also understand that there are limitations just because socially, um, you know, people back home haven't been exposed to that. You can't openly have these conversations with them. So it makes it quite hard. And you have to really balance how much of yourself you project onto them and how much of your newfound passions and interests you can discuss with them. So you really have to draw that line. Um, and I think that that can be quite challenging at times. Um, and culturally, that does create differences in the sense that some people don't understand that some people um, will cut you out very understandable very understandable that you'd get upset that they cut you out as well because your natural instinct is why don't you understand me this makes sense to me this should make sense to you as well but you need to realize everything is a learning process and people eventually come around to it so um, a big impact of that cultural barrier is because you've been taught different things you also need to understand that it you have to normalize and be okay with letting people go. And that's not something you're told when you move overseas, that a lot of the friendships that you had in high school or you know, even if you've done your undergrad back home or if you've worked back home, those friendships will hit a fizzle point and then you'll meet new people. And that's super okay. It doesn't mean that, you know, those friendships or those familial connections have ended. It just means it's hit a point where respect them but then you need to try new things out. And I think making peace with that is very important. Yeah, I think it, like, as you said, it's a lot to do with finding a balance between the old and the new and sort of trying to embrace both of them at the same time. What about you, Vinti? What are your thoughts on that? So for me, culturally, I didn't face a big barrier because I've lived in the UK and US before. Uh, but what I did, I did find very different was the new vocabulary Australians have in terms of abbreviations 
like avo for avocado, arvo for afternoon. It was completely new for me. Also, when I used to hang out with Australian colleagues or even my peers at university, I never understood the humor and the jokes until someone really explained it to me, which is a bummer because it ruins the joke if someone has to explain it to you. Um, how I manage it is I laugh when everyone laughs, even when I didn't understand the joke. No, indeed, I can relate. Like, as you said, for a long time, I didn't know what "avo" meant. As you said, like if someone has to explain it to you, you kind of you kind of feel like, oh, I I should have known this before. <laughs> I am an international student myself, and as you both said before, twenty twenty was particularly hard on us on that front that. so many international students are stranded overseas right now and you know they haven't been able to go back home because of covid-19 how do you manage these feelings of homesickness and belonging or for that matter not belonging um so this was definitely hard as you said um i did miss my family um and i didn't want them to know about it so i didn't tell them about it as well um i miss my favorite food i missed hugging my parents who i love more than anything in this world the only way i coped with these feelings was by throwing myself into volunteering and self development through webinars hackathons case competitions as for feelings of belonging i didn't really feel odd i found australians very polite and that i'm very thankful for right um nayonika what do you think about that it's it's definitely quite tricky but i think a good way is to you know um i find comfort in cooking food and you know sharing a good meal with my friends um if at any time you ever meet me i will always invite you for dinner or lunch because that is me trying to get rid of my homesickness um or um really doing something you know going to a place of worship um or doing an activity you know playing board games so anything that really involves me spending time with my friends um or even taking the day off and just like reading a book and journaling and really um living through the good memories i've had with friends and family back home um that's something i quite enjoy and taking it slowly um so that really helps what food has to be my go to um sharing a meal cooking a meal from scratch anything of that sort really helps you get rid of the homesickness full of love that you're you know gobbling up so try to not do food wow that's so sweet it got to do a lot with the fact that you just got to keep yourself busy and you know not let your mind wander off into that whole spiral that ah oh, i cannot go home and it's so sad you just have to find your own ways to cope with it so talking about mental health actually it is still relatively new across the globe and there are so many differences between you know how countries or rather how different cultures address it so how have you been able to manage your mental health while juggling the norms and expectations of different backgrounds and different cultures and embracing the new but at the same time not forgetting your roots i think it's very tricky one is the first step is to acknowledge that you know you're not okay um i think globally that would be the biggest step because a lot of us sort of uh, oh, i i don't know about others but i personally sort of went into that overdrive oversupply mode when the pandemic hit and i'm fine i'm fine nothing's going wrong you know um and i think all of us experienced that which is like oh it's just another year it'll be over in a few months sort of thing i think another way that i realized is once apart from acknowledging that i was not okay is telling people i'm not okay i think acknowledgement is something all of us do 
but asking for that space and letting people know that you're not okay and letting them know how you can help is something that I, I don't see international students, even myself, doing a lot sometimes. Um, sometimes it could be asking your employer or um, your tutor or your supervisor or your colleague for space, you know, just being like, hey, I kind of need a day off very last minute, can complete my tasks, just have a lot going on, that sort of thing. Um, we don't ask them for that space and it can be very daunting. So asking for that space, I think, is really important. And I think once you actively start asking for space, you actively start seeking for help, you know. You start immersing yourself in community experiences because you sort of feel that warmth and love around you. You see professional help. You see psychiatrists, psychologists, therapists, social workers, whoever you can, and you get professional help. You get a plan on how you plan on addressing this. You reach out to friends and family who understand that you're feeling quite isolated. You start planning things in the way that you engage with them a lot more. But then it, it is quite tricky. Like you don't have a specific answer, but then the things I would recommend the most that I did is just acknowledge you, you're not okay, ask for help when you're not okay, and reach out to people and let them know you're not okay and that you will connect with them when you are okay. I think it's it's a very good healthy practice even when the pandemic gets over because that way your friends and family know that, you know, you're not moody or you're not just acting out and something isn't going on. You're just not in an okay headspace. And that way you can then connect with people again when you're in a better place and they respect your space and they, you know, take more effort to understand where you're coming from as well. Um, So that's something I did a fair bit of sounds very cliche but I scheduled and calendared everything in my life you know I calendared working out calendared going to the gym calendared sitting calendared eating it was it was bad it it looked so funny I felt like one of those um, black mirror episodes that my life is color-coded it's scheduled but it worked you know because you can go into autopilot mode sometimes when you don't have the energy during a pandemic You see your calendar and you know exactly what needs to be done because you're like, I don't have to think about it. I don't have to plan my day because I know exactly what needs to be done. It's it's weird reverse psychology. It's it's almost like you telling yourself what to do, but you're thinking someone else is telling you what to do. And it, it works. I got things done. I got basic things done like on a really bad day, getting out of bed and taking a shower and eating food and just, you know, making sure I take care of my body and my well-being. And a really good day doing some extra work as well. So calendar everything. I now live by it. I 100% recommend it. No, you're, you're right. As you mentioned, calendaring everything, it gives you a sense of control during a time which is unprecedented and don't really have a lot of control over the circumstances around you right now. Uh, what do you think about that, Minty? I 100% endorse what you, what you both are saying. I myself do the same. I put everything in my calendar so I know exactly what I have to do and I don't have to make decisions on the fly. I 100% endorse that. Um, so two things I endorse. One is calendar and the other thing is journaling. So I was very fortunate to stumble on a group called The Third Door. Uh, It's based on a book written by Alex Bernayan, an American author. So Americans are far more aware and accepting of reaching out for help in the form of therapy or counseling. I give credit to that community for providing me a space to start, um, for me to start journaling on some really poignant questions that we never take time to ask ourselves. Questions such as, why do we fear what we fear? 
What is the deep-rooted belief behind that? Um, what do we really want from our life besides what is cool or what our parents um, expect from us or what our peers are doing? We really don't take time out to understand ourselves. And that is, uh, in my opinion, one of the biggest reasons why the youth is suffering from mental health issues because they are not in sync with themselves. Um, they are living their life uh, looking at their surroundings and environment and kind of just copying it. So a heightened self-awareness has been a key factor for me in managing my mental health. Fortunately, I don't allow the culture or society to dictate what I need and what feels right for me. So journaling and scheduling, brilliant tactics. Yeah, you're right. Sometimes it can be hard to be more open about our feelings but I think it's definitely like high time that we all need to be in touch with our feelings more and just like telling ourselves that it's okay to not be okay all the time and just recognizing it acknowledging it yeah all right well thank you so much you guys I think you've provided a lot of um, really handy tips not even just for international students like I'm um, I myself am a domestic student and honestly I've just learned so much um, just from these last 20 minutes. So thank you so much for your advice. And I'm sure lots of people can take something out of today's episode. Um, I guess moving on to another topic, we're going to talk more about university and university life. So I guess my first question to you guys, maybe uh, Vinti first, um, did you find the style of teaching and methods of assessment to be different to your home country? Um, and if so, how did you adapt? Oh, yes, completely. I had never been in a system where I was so reliant on group work to make it through the term. Like every single course I have ever done here at UNSW had a group work component to it. And initially that made me very nervous for two reasons. One, I felt like I was not in complete control of my end score. And, you know, we Asian kids are very score driven surprisingly and now i realize how futile i was being but we are we are just brought up like that and naonika is laughing so i'm sure she identifies and the second reason is my team working skills were not that great so for instance i didn't speak up when i saw something wrong as i didn't want to ruffle feathers and stuff like that and so i detested working in teams well, over time, due to volunteering and attending webinars and workshops, um, I adapted and learned and improved my skills for good, in good team management. And I cannot emphasize enough how crucial this skill set is from your career point of view as well. I definitely do agree. It's something that uh, you, you just can't live without. Like you live in a world full of other people. You're going to have to find ways to adapt eventually. So. Why not? Why not now? I guess over to you, Nayonika. I I cannot not laugh and agree and cry more with Vindi being we are all school driven. It, it feels like a very very personal statement, but you know what? I will take it. I think it's very hard. Teaching styles are very different. I came from a system where um, you were vomited everything that you knew. You learned everything that you knew, and then you come into uni and you're just like, I am an egg. My shell does not let anything go in and I do not know anything. And then you start questioning everything like, am I smart? 
am I supposed to have a university degree? Am I supposed to graduate? Can I get a job? It's it's a classic crisis, right? And in my fifth year, I'm still having this. So for all you first, second, third years, it's normal. I feel like even if after you graduate with your first degree, I don't know Vinti, if you agree with this, but even after your first degree, you still feel this when you start a new university course again. Am I supposed to be here is like the biggest question I go through every course, every class. So I think it's quite normal because um, the cultural differences do play a huge role as to how teaching differences come into play. Um, small things like your professor cracking a joke and you thinking it's a passive aggressive statement and not just a joke. Big dad giveaway. You're just like, oh, no, my professor hates me. And then you convince yourself that your professor hates you. That's not true. It's just a joke, guys. Just get over it. So I think it's small things like that that really do play a huge role. But like on the serious side of things, there is a huge difference. Um, Australian education system is a lot more self-driven. You're expected to do a lot more work. You're a lot more independent. Um, Society and education as a whole is a lot more individualistic and not a community style sort of thing. But as Vindi said, you also have group work. So it's very interesting because if anything, Australian education system tests your patience. Sometimes you have very questionable group members and you don't see them until after the assignment is done and you've done all of the work. So, you know, children, what you learn is patience is your best friend when getting through anything, an assignment that you don't understand, group work that you don't understand. But a really good thing about um, moving overseas and especially studying here is Everyone is very happy to teach you. So if someone, you know, um, in a more senior year, third or fourth year, always happy to answer a question. Like, for instance, I do arts law. So if I ever ask a sixth year student or if I ever get asked by a first year how to do a research proposal, how to do a case brief, how to write a moot presentation and things like that, I will happily stop in the middle of a library, get out of a class and answer this for you, you know? People are very happy to help. And you ask someone how to do a code or how to, um, people are very happy to teach and learn. Everyone's in, everyone's in a very comprehensive, supportive, collaborative environment. So while it may be daunting, I think it is, you know, customary that you do go through the whole confusion of, oh my God, what am I doing? But it's important that you keep reminding yourself while you bring to the confusion, people will always be happy to help. Um, and you eventually need to remember that down the line when you are in your senior years, that you should become the person who helps other people because that's how you keep the tradition on. on. Um, so it's quite tricky, but always help each other out. And I think that's something I really like about moving here. Um, you know, being great driven and competitive back home, even passing your homework answers around was not it right now just like you want my answer take all my notes take everything so it's, it's quite relaxed now um, and, and I think that's good because that's what the real world is like you don't you have to keep reminding yourself that in the real world you're not writing exams you're not doing things by yourself you have assistants you have researchers you have supervisors you have managers you have colleagues who are constantly helping you out and the real world is very collaborative um, and the more you look after each other the easier it's going to be for you Mm, I think it's really interesting to hear some perspective. I actually wasn't too, I guess, I'm not too grateful for the fact that people are so willing to help. And I think hearing about this um, as like a cultural change as well is told me to be a bit more grateful for what we have. So I guess moving on to 
resources and support. UNSW often has a lot of resources, especially mental health ones, that often goes unused because students aren't aware of it. Are there any resources or support services that you guys would recommend for international students at UNSW uh, or for just university in general? Nayonika, let's start off with you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So we have an entire international department at UNSW. So it's not just one person you're looking for. You have a whole support network that's there for you. You have international student advisors. Um, You know, when I first moved, um, you convince yourself that you've got it all together. You know exactly what your course enrollment's like. You know exactly when you're flying home. You know exactly when you're getting your job. And you think you do. And then you move here and then it's just Lego pieces falling apart. And I think that's exactly what life is, right? It, it wouldn't matter even if you were at home and doing uni or if you've moved overseas. Um, I think that's a whole part of growing up and living and learning. Um, so you have international student advisors who are there to reassure you that, you know, you're adulting. Sometimes you just need someone who's a bit more experienced with adulting to help you out. Uh, and that's super okay. They're there to check in with the academics. They're there to remind you about um, legal requirements that you may have, there to consult with you and assist you with learning requirements that you may have, academic support that you may need. They also run events like cultural mentoring programs, which, you know, supports you with facilitating your social life out in Sydney. Um, obviously, it's great. Sydney is beautiful. Love the Opera House. Love the Harbour Bridge. You really don't want to be eating ice cream by yourself and looking at it. So these programs really push you to go meet people out there, you know, um, share a chat with someone, meet people from different parts of the world. Um, so apart from your advices, you have cultural mentors, um, a fantastic group of volunteers who really support you with this. Um, you have ARC as well. So ARC does a lot of things where um, sometimes moving to a different part of the world requires legal information because your parents did that for you so long. And then you realise, oh, no, the law is a concept. I can't just jaywalk. Um, and then ARC Legal and Advocacy comes into play and they really help you out with that. Um, you've got the fantastic ARC volunteers who run events. You've got Yellow Shirts, Event Horizon, Street Team, um, Stationery Reuse. There's so many things that you can do. Um, you know, just it's it's as simple as, you know, grabbing a chair during O-Week or September or Stressless Week and having a chat with someone and becoming lifelong friends with them or joining a society during O-Week and realizing you've met your best friend while, I don't know, joining a video game society. So everything's quite there. University really does provide you the whole um, package. We also have appeals teams. You have equitable learning services. Um, Obviously, it's a very taboo subject back home. Um, People come from a different range of learning disabilities, learning requirements, physical and emotional disabilities as well. Um, It's not a bad thing super normal everyone has them everyone's on the spectrum has them to a certain degree it does take time to accept that um as an international student myself it takes time you know I'm a fairly super anxious person so it took me a while to accept that that I am anxious and I'm not just high functioning it takes time so you have ELS that will help you create adjustments if you need that help with your studies as well you asking for help as an international student does not make you any less of a person it just means you're setting life at your own pace you don't let let life and things set you at its pace you find what works best for you and always ask for help that does not make you any less of a person so ELS is a great way to go for help you also have ARC sports so sounds very very cliche um I used to be a person who hated sports for a while 
And come second year, I cannot not go to the gym. If I don't go to the gym, I am cranky. It's very obvious I haven't gone to the gym now. So sport is a really good way because um, UNICEF has got its nice balance of competitive sports as well, but also social sports. So you meet some really lovely people who just want to kick a ball around, toss a frisbee around, um, but also people who are really good at it and will make you feel a bit insecure. So I'm not going there, but I like the social side of things. But yeah, absolutely give social sport a go because you just meet people. It's just a great way to, you know, get some fresh air and remind yourself that not everything about uni is just about academics. It's we go into uni because the whole experience makes you a better person. You want to learn, learn more about yourself and meet other people as well. Um, and you never know where you meet and who you meet, how, you know. The person you shared a drink with or the person who, I don't know, you tossed a football with um, or basketball with, yes, that's what you do with basketball to kick off the ball, sorry. Um, what you do with them will be the next person you start a startup with or will be the person who becomes your boss in a few years' time, you know. So it's always good to keep your horizons open. So Nayonika has pretty much summed everything up. She hasn't left anything for me to say. Uh, so I will touch upon a few things like hackathons and case competitions and that kind of stuff, which university hosts uh, a lot during the year. And I highly recommend students to make use of those. Um, to sum up everything Nayonika said, the most important thing is to be clear on what support you want and which department is best suited for that, and to reach out and seek that support. Mm, really, really helpful advice. I feel like lots of us do know that there are support services out there sometimes, but it's a whole nother thing actually going. Um, I guess the last question I have for you two regarding uni life is, are there any particular opportunities at uni that international students can get more involved in? Um, I guess, Minty, let's start off with you. To get involved, I would say the societies run by ARC serve as a great starting point. I highly recommend every student to work as an executive for a society as it teaches you so much and helps you find like-minded friends. The other opportunity would be to run for council elec elections as that gives you a chance to get even more involved on campus. Also, do the professional development program, Heroes program, Peter Farrell Cup, hackathons. All these programs are really high quality and extremely worth it. Yeah, um, you know, as Venti said, I think she's captured everything. Um, my answer would just be everything, you know, um, everything that you set your mind to, you know, Person like Winthy is a very fantastic example herself, which is I've, I've never not seen her not do anything she hasn't wanted to. Um, I don't think the whole international student barrier has held her back. I hold her in such high regard because every time she's been like, I want to try this, she's tried it. And that's exactly what it's about. The international student barrier, I think, um, is not a barrier. It's a great addition to you. It means that you have decided to leave things behind. You have decided to challenge yourself. You've decided to grow up. You've decided to um, take responsibility. You've decided to acknowledge cultural differences and challenge everything about yourself. Um, and you've decided that, you know, you are capable of this and you're capable of taking care of yourself, but also establishing nice, warm networks. Um, so I really don't think it should be something that ever holds you back, be it internships, be it social opportunities, be it creative opportunities. You know, if you randomly decide you want to become an actor, go for it. You get an opportunity to sing, become a voice actor or um, 
you know, I don't know, create um, a magazine or for it. There's nothing holding you back. Um, you, as, as Vinti said, um, internships, jobs, hackathons, um, tech opportunities, legal opportunities, um, business opportunities, there's always an abundance of them. Um, the only difference is how you look at your label of being an international student as the minute you start looking at it as a positive currency, there's nothing going to hold you back. The minute you look at it as a barrier, everything in the world is going to be the worst thing that holds you back, right? So you need to start looking at it as currency. You need to start selling it as a positive point because you need to keep reminding yourself that there's so much that you're bringing, that you've so much that you've put yourself through, that it's important that you acknowledge that and really, um, you know, reward yourself with good opportunities that you think and you remind yourself that you deserve to be there. And I think that really makes a huge difference, um, you know, when seeking anything. Although the one thing I would remind you is always keep your legality and all of those formal documentation, things like that in check. Um, when trying new things in life, very, very tempting to get into questionable and shady deals, um, sometimes get stuck in situations and opportunities that you don't always have clarity around. All of us have made that mistake. And I'm sure if you ask your parents as well, they've done that at some point in their lives as well. Just because you have to make mistakes, you know, as people, we inherently want to think everyone's good. As international students, we want to inherently even more think everyone's better than good because they want to look out for us. So if at points you feel like things don't make sense or you need a sense check, you need to slow down and you need legal help, it's not a bad thing. It doesn't mean that the world is falling apart or you're going to be asked to leave or anything. It just means that you are looking after yourself and you're making sure that you have your best interest in mind, which is why services like Redfern Legal International um, for international students, Arc Legal and Advocacy, um, even Kingswood Legal Centre, um, Youth Law Australia, they're really good services that are there to help you out and let you know what your legal rights um, and responsibilities are. So it's okay to not have a clear understanding of everything. Trust me, as a law student, I don't always know what I'm doing is right or wrong. So I always like to make my, you know, sense check, um, go through the whole green light as well. Super understandable. Um, or sometimes just ask a friend of yours who has a bit more knowledge in the area um, or is a local and might know a bit more. Um, so it's always good to have your basis covered if you think that something's questionable. Um, and if things get hard, ask for help. Please don't put yourself in vulnerable situations because people are always happy to look out for you as an international student. Um, it's only a barrier, again, as I said, if you let it be. Um, there's fellow international students who understand what you're going through and they're more than happy to help you um, through things. So please don't put yourself in vulnerable situations um, if you can. Yeah, that would be it. Thank you. Mm, thank you so much, you two, for that. I think we've got a good mix of like both business and legal advice here. So it's really good to see um, both of you speaking from your backgrounds and perspectives. And I guess just to sum up, the resounding advice sounds like from you two is just to try everything. Just put yourself out there and do what you want and don't be afraid to chase it up. Moving on to employability, it is such a big concern, not only for international students, but all uni students. So I know that many domestic students struggle with finding employment already. Um, and I can imagine, and to be honest, like speaking from personal experience itself, it's even harder for international students when it comes to job seeking. So what was it like to try to enter the workforce? Like, did you gain experience while you were studying 
or did you finish your education and then you look for jobs? I, I acknowledge that it's much harder for international students to find jobs because you obviously have workplace restrictions, visa restrictions and things like that. Um, I think something that's kept me going is reminding myself that, you know, I really have to put myself out there because any and every experience will give me a transferable skill that will get me to where I eventually want to be. And that's okay. Not having my dream job, an ideal job at, say, 18, 19 or 20 is fine. It's not the end of the world. And it, it sounds quite cliche, but I like reminding myself that most people who are successful sometimes don't have what they want to be at 50. You know, I, I don't want to be 50. But it's okay to find my space and my footing and know that I can switch to whatever I want whenever I want that. Everything's not permanent. So if I want to be a lawyer um, now, it's great. If I want to switch up and be a doctor 20 years from now, that's great. You know, I'm not going to hold myself in, um, although that would be a lethal combination, but let's not. But, you know, whatever you want to do, it's possible. As an international student, you have to remind yourself that rejections are not a reflection of your self-worth or your capabilities or your capacity or uh, your talent, you know. Sometimes we're just stuck in situations where things don't work out. It just means it gives you more opportunities to practice how to get over it. It just makes you more resilient. It makes you stronger. It makes you more um, self-aware. Something that going through rejections really did for me was make, made me self-aware um, on how to deal with the rejection um, and how to get back keep applying um, I say this like it's easy but then trust me if I get another job rejection I will be in my bed crying for a solid 20 minutes and then I will apply for a job an hour after that but I will cry you know you have to acknowledge your emotions you have to let it out um, and then you move on so that's one thing another thing is reminding employers that you are resilient and you are going to be persistent um, a lot of the jobs I've gotten is by reminding um, employers which is I'm passionate about the job, you know. Um, for instance, if they're looking for a full-time role, I've been like, look, I will come in part-time. I will put in so much effort that, you know, I become indispensable. Um, and that sort of commitment and showing that you are happy to go above and beyond, obviously within reasonable limits and not burning out, and that you really care about the role are things that you can do to really stand out as well. Um, and keep looking. Um, you never know what option it comes with. Go to all of the networking events that you can go to. Um, participate in all the hackathons and competitions you can. Winning those or doing well or coming up with great pitch ideas um, might be an opportunity for a new employer to come up and have a chat with you and be like, hey, love this idea. Do you want to come have a chat with me? Um, throw yourself in internships, networking opportunities. Um, speak to your professors. They're your best friends, you know. Um, do well in class. Um, really stand out. Do your coursework because the professors are the kind of people who've been in the professional um, and practical work experience space, but they're now also in academia. So they understand how it works. Have a chat with them. Get their opinion. Um, speak to international student advisors. Speak to former international students, attend events for international students um, and employment um, opportunities. So a lot of these things are just out there. The only thing that you're expected to do is show up. Yeah, I think as you very rightly said, having a rejection from an employer, it's not that, you know, you lack talent. Sometimes they're just better candidates out there. And yeah, as you said, it can be hard in the moment to accept it. But I think that rejections and failures are something that will always be a part of your life, no matter where you are or how old you are. I think it's 
beneficial to learn how to cope with it as soon as you can. Winty, what about you? What do you think about job seeking or like entering the workforce as an international student? So I totally agree with um, both of you. It is hard for international students, but at the same time, I want to put it out very clearly that it is not impossible. It is hard, but not impossible. And definitely, as you said, grow a thick skin. That will help you in many, many other areas of life. So yes, grow it. The faster you can, the better. And I want to point out why it's more hard for international students than domestic. Because businesses in Australia rely on networks to fill in positions. In fact, studies show that only 15% of the jobs in Australia are actually listed on job boards like Seek, Indeed, etc. Which means that a whopping 85% of jobs don't really ever go out. They are filled in by networks or word of mouth. Now, this statistic is daunting, but one more time I want to point out, it is not impossible. I came to Australia as an international student with zero network. Like if I'm lying on the road dead, my parents will not even be able to trace me in Australia. Like that that's how bad my network was. I knew nobody. Um, I'm fortunate that I found a job uh, that I'm working at. I work with international students, helping them kickstart their career in Australia by placing them into unpaid internships in Australian businesses. So earlier I was working with student support and success at UNSW and I had started looking for roles in my final term of my degree. Now there are people when I entered university told me all sorts of gaudy things about, oh my God, there are no jobs. What are you doing here? They don't hire internationals and you should start looking for jobs right now in order to get a job by the time you graduate. People say all kinds of things. Just relax, enjoy your university life, experience, learn and grow. It's fine. I started looking for my job in my final year, in final term, like the last two months. And I found it. So believe in yourself. Yeah, to be honest, I'm really surprised myself at that 85% statistic you just gave us. I think even though it's a big number, it only iterates the importance of networking, how important it is. And as you said, it can be daunting. But, you know, as an international student, you don't really have a lot of support in a foreign country compared to like maybe a home country, for example. And it's you just have to push yourself to get to know people, start networking. And talking to you, it finally makes me feel like, you know, all this time that my tutors and my lecturers and my family they you know always telling us to like network 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 and I think yeah now I understand why they're always going on about it so I guess uh, the next question is tips for students trying to find employment whether it be like a part-time job to just support themselves or breaking into their choice of industry to gain experience. Winti will start with you this time. So 
In order to find employment in Australia, the most crucial thing is to build your LinkedIn and network with the right people. Now, the rules could be slightly different for a part-time job versus a full-time role. But um, for part-time job, it's more about being able to create a CV tailored to your job and really going out and handing out your CVs and talking to um, employers. Uh, Whereas for full-time roles, it's more about LinkedIn and networking with your industry professionals. Um, If I have to sum it, I would say a willingness to learn, a great attitude, and a good fit with the team are some of the basic criteria Australian businesses consider before hiring anyone. I've often noticed that even if you're Your skills are not that great, but you would fit in well with the company culture and are driven. Australian businesses are willing to teach you the skills on the job. Yeah, to be honest, I've been putting off uh, setting up my LinkedIn for months now. And I recently did do it. And, you know, once I was on there, I realized that there's so many groups and so many people might be related to uni or you know, even outside uni, it's just a sea of people. And, you know, I keep getting notifications from time to time now that, you know, you appeared in so-and-so's searches, employers are looking to hire. And not just that, but it's, as you said, it's a totally different form of networking and something that a lot of uni students put off for a long time, myself included. Nayanika, what do you think about that? I absolutely agree with everything um, Vinti said. I, I think she's got a very fantastic insight on this, you know, given that she's working in the sector. I think the only thing I would say is be okay with not doing what you think you're supposed to do. Um, be very, very open to trying something entirely different. You know, for instance, um, I've worked in startups. I've worked in the med tech space. Um, I've moved in marketing and customer experience and customer um, service, um, marketing research and things like that, legal research. Um, I want to be a lawyer. Um, the kind of experience I have is with like um, food safety and handling um, you know, mass distribution, social media content creation, um, user experience, user engagement, work health and safety creation, um, educational content creation, sexual and mental health and well-being. I have a wide range of experience, and I think that is what really gives you an edge over people when you really want to give a, um, a job opportunity a shot is because you essentially um, have allowed yourself to understand and experience everything so you know what you don't like and you know what you like. Um, so the only thing I'd add is be open to trying anything that's different and that's out of the box and the norm that you thought that you would do. Um, just because you want to be a lawyer or a doctor for the rest of your life doesn't mean that you have to be doing that now. Um, be open to trying new things because you never know what tickles you fancy. So that's the only advice I'd give you, which is really be open to anything and everything. Um, Otherwise, as Vindi said, you know, grow a thick skin, um, network, put yourself out there in your um, social settings and your networks as well. Um, Get your LinkedIn. Australia loves its LinkedIn. So get your LinkedIn. um, Get your, um, UNSW also has really good services. So the Student Academic and Career Support Services really checks. They have an online resume checker that is really good. And you can also meet professional advisors who give you tips. Um, and how to do your CVs and LinkedIn and things like that. So 
um, you do have all these support networks in place to really make the most out of them. Um, we're, we're quite lucky that we have this, so make the most out of it. I myself remember when I was um, like new to Australia, I saw this um, CV building seminar that UNSW was holding and I was like, oh my God, I've never um, had to make a CV before in my life. And, you know, I don't know how to do it. And it just felt like a good idea uh, to visit the seminar instead of, you know, trying to rack my brains, looking up resources on Google or something. UNSW is really great in that sense that they have so many resources out there. It's just a matter of exploring their online site, I guess. Also, I think to sum it up, it all comes down to like not holding yourself back. As you said, um, Nayonika, even if it's a job that that's not really related to your field, just do it and just take it up because at the end of the day, it's just adding to your skills and those skills are always transferable. Thank you so much for that. That was so insightful. Yeah, thank you. Um, I just wanted to add on, I think that's amazing advice for everyone, not just in terms of skills and opportunities that you can go into, but the idea that it's about our attitudes and perhaps our openness to experiences as well. So I think that's a really good perspective. Um, very interesting to hear. And of course, as Janvi said, very, very insightful. Um, I guess we'll move to another topic, um, our support networks, which is really important for international students and just everyone in general. So I guess my question is, how do you guys keep up with your family and friends, especially if they're overseas? Um, we'll start with you, Nayonika. Yeah. Something I do is have a family group chat. It saves you all the trouble of telling your dad what you're doing. And then your mom calls you, then you get mad at her because she doesn't know what you're doing. But you're like, you told your dad. So internal communication can get lost. Make a family group chat. Saves you the trouble. Um, let them know what your day schedule is like. Some days you're free. Tell them to call you whenever. Um, let them also know how you're feeling, right? One, as an international student, you really need to understand your parents don't know how you're feeling. Your parents want to smother you in love because they want you to feel loved and feel safe and feel like they're there for you. And their only way of doing that is by calling you constantly or video calling you or sending you things or checking in on you. Sometimes that can be a bit overwhelming to so let them know whether you're having one of those days where you can't be super social or you have a lot of things going on or if you're busy. It doesn't mean that you don't want to talk to them. You just have things going on and that the minute you have free time, you will fill them in on everything that went down in the hackathon or at work or whatever you experience, right? So make communication very clear. It's like good partnership, good group work, very clear communication. That's exactly what this is. This is just a very realistic life situation group work and the odds and consequences are much higher because it's your parents. Um where you put in more effort with this. Um, so you really tell them how you're going, where you are. Um, and that way it makes it quite clear as well. Um, and also try and make an effort into having a conversation. It can be quite easy to be like, I went to class, I did this, I did that. Um, you need to realise that this is your life now. They're not in your life. They don't exactly know what just going to class or what going out involves. Tell them I went out, had dinner with my friends. I tried a new cuisine or I saw the Harbour Bridge and had ice cream and something, you know. Give them a bit more detail. Give them things to grasp and understand. If you keep them 
um, in the unclear and don't give them details, they are filling in details. And as parents, they will worry, they will overthink, and they will put in details that never existed. And they will stress about things that never happened. So you give them clear details and um, that's how you stay in touch with them. Um, I mean, I sometimes talk to my mom five times a day if I'm free. Sometimes I don't talk to her for 15 days if I'm really busy. So I make that very clear with her. And then you randomly throw in a message and remind them you love them and you miss them. That really helps. Yeah. So it sounds like communication and maybe boundaries are really up there for you. Um, what do you think, Kinti? I think before I tell you what I do, I want to say Noyonika has aced it aced it like she has given you all the tips and tricks that you should be practicing in order to ensure uh your family is uh well secured about your well-being in another country uh absolutely wonderful advice Nayanika. uh for me i go about using facetime calls and whatsapp so this is the bright side of technology. It makes it seamless to be in touch with loved ones across the globe. And we have a ritual in the family. Every Sunday, we do a group video call. So we all like get together. So it's like a Sunday little ritual that we do. During the week, since everyone are busy, it could be a one-off call here and there uh, just to convey something or ask something but that Sunday call is special it's a bit longer it's a bit more chill yeah it sounds like you're scheduling in um, a call as well so amazing calendar work there um, I guess we've touched on phones but is there any other way that you guys can make the most of your holidays if you don't really get the chance to go back to your home country um, I would say we are living in a day and age where we are so spoiled with endless entertainment and educational content online. We can choose whichever way we want to go. Personally, I choose a balanced approach between entertainment and knowledge. Rather than be disappointed, I would say count your blessings. Take this time to become friends with yourself. Most people never do that. I, I love that whole be friends with yourself. I think pre-pandemic life, if that's a thing that we remember, um, it's quite easy to get lost in entertainment and people and not really recognize what you want and who you are. I think something that's really important is connect with people that you really wanted to. Spend more time doing things that you enjoy. So I've been doing a lot more cooking, a lot more artwork. Also do nothing. We constantly glorify and put doing something on a pedestal so much, do nothing. If you want to wake up at 9am and just sit on a couch and drink tea and look at the birds, do it. I challenge you to do it for the next three hours. And then you want to eat the nicest, cheesiest mac and cheese, do it. And then you want to nap and drink, read a book and drink a glass of wine till 4pm, do it. Do nothing. Give yourself a break. You've had a long year. You've had so much going on. Remind yourself that you are not a machine. You are not a superhuman. You cannot constantly be doing great stuff in life. Sometimes you have to do nothing. That's exactly the rule of like, life, I think. Um, so while you can't go home and do everything you want to, do nothing is like my biggest suggestion. Because once you need start to know you're going to be like assignments, academics, jobs, internships, competitions, the rat race starts. Like, let's be very fair, we will do that. So do nothing, enjoy it, right? You're not missing out on anything. You're just giving yourself more time 
for when things get crazier that you can balance it out. Um, two, go local. Um, check your farmer's markets out. Go to the beach, go to the park, enjoy nature. Um, something I've been doing a lot is going to rural New South Wales and regional New South Wales. Um, I've seen all of Western New South Wales and Northern New South Wales. Um, and I just recently covered most of Southern New South Wales, just, you know, driving through, camping, hiking. It is beautiful. So go local. Um, you'd be amazed at what you can find out there and how much you don't know about what you thought you um, knew. Pictures don't do things justice. Like nature is absolutely fantastic. Um, find friends to do small things with, um, you know, connect with friends who you can enjoy silence with people you just want to sit next to and just read your own book. You don't have to talk for hours, but you can read your own book or people you're just happy to share a meal with. Do things with your family. I love Venti's Sunday suggestion. I do this with my mum quite often, which is whenever I'm cooking dinner, she's cooking lunch back home. So we call each other and we're talking about what we're making, cook together, and then we're like, oh, this is my recipe and show me your recipe. Um, and things like that, you know, do things with them. Um, call your siblings um, if you're into online gaming. I'm not, so my brother gets mad at me. But if you're into it, play a game with your sibling. Or maybe just have a go at them and just, you know, just have a chat about things that they care about. Um, talk to your friends, randomly catch up. If you want to talk about mean girls for four hours and paint your nails with your girlfriends from back home, do it. I back this idea. Or talk about transport. So whatever women are into these days. There's, there's no gender barriers here. Um, I talk about transformers, not mean girls, but yes. Um, so just honestly do whatever you want. There's, there's no right or wrong way to do anything. If you want to break, you want to break. If you want to go over, like, over gear and do everything and start a startup or, I don't know, be the next Forbes 30 under 30 in the next two months and become a day trader and, I don't know, trade Bitcoin. I don't know how that works, but do it. Whatever you want to do, you should do it, right? As Venti said, there's so much knowledge and content out there. Jump on YouTube, jump on all these channels and learn from it. If you want to become a graphic designer, you can do it. If you want to start a new course or a new degree, do it. If you want to move houses, do it. Anything you want to do, do it. Wow, that was so insightful. And I found myself you know, going in my head like, oh my God, I relate to that. Oh my God, I do the same. I really love the do it attitude. As we're reaching the end of our episode today, what is the most important thing that you guys have realized as international students? Like any words of wisdom for our listeners today? Yes, certainly. I have realized that what you decide to do in your career should be something that gives you joy. Don't do it because you feel there are more jobs in that field or because your parents dreamt of you doing that. Do it only if you enjoy and are passionate about it. Yeah, I think that's a big one. If you are happy with what you're doing, if you are happy for every minute that you're spending uh, at your workplace or in your job or whatever work you're doing. It doesn't make it feel like it, it's work and you start getting joy from that. And yeah, that's something that we often forget, you know, while chasing a higher income maybe or chasing a more respectable jobs or by societal norms or something. So, yeah, that's really good advice. What about you, Nionica? 
Um, I just go by the principle that, you know, you are your own limitation and you can find a home away from home if you choose to make it. Um, so basically all that means is, you know, whatever you send, set your mind to, as I love saying, do it, it will happen. Um, and you never know if you keep putting in the work, you will find people who look out for you um, and people who genuinely care for you. And, that, and that's super fine. It takes time, but you eventually get there as long as you're just keeping a good person and reminding yourself that, you know, put positive energy out there. Things might always, not always go in your favour, but then people will eventually have your back. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a lot about just trusting the process. And I'm I myself am a big believer of, you know, everything happens for a reason. If something is not going my way, bigger things are on their way. <laughs> what are some of the must-dos at UNSW or in Sydney for international students? Okay, some must-dos at UNSW are using your creativity at MCIC, where you have access to laser printers and cutters and woodwork machines and 3D printers, and a lot of really cool stuff happens there. Also, a Lebanese meal at Yala Eat, my favorite, uh, working as an executive for a society of your choice. Befriend people from different nationalities. It opens up your horizons and makes you see life differently. For Sydney, I would say I would highly recommend the Kuji Bondi Coastal Walk. It is absolutely beautiful. Spending a lazy day at Bondi Beach. Sydney vegan markets every month. Great food, great vibes. I love that. Um, something that I really enjoy about UNSW is MCIC is 27. Perfect space. Um, photo shoots, very, very overrated. Take a lot of photos at UNSW. We have a very, very pretty campus. The jacaranda trees, um, the basso steps, the globe lawn, the science sheer lawn. Make the most out of it. Um, something that sounds a bit cliche, but get a skateboard and skip down the main walkway when it's sunset. That is such a pretty view with the whole trees thing lined up there. The sun setting, definitely take a walk if you're not into skating because I can't skate, I would fall. Um, so, you know, take that walk down, really nice. The, okay, I think it's the sign shear building as well. I haven't been to uni in a while, if you can't tell. The sign shear building with those nice glass panels that do that thing. Yes, that building. Go there and enjoy the sunset there as well. Really gorgeous views. Um, go to the 10th floor of the library and see what the city looks like. You know, you are at a very nice level. You're on the top of the hill and on the 10th floor. See what the city of Sydney looks like. Enjoy small things that the university gives you like that. Um, go to the art and design campus. Um, we quite often forget that we have a fantastic art and design campus and see how beautiful that campus is. Um, yeah, and through Sydney, I would say is try all your food there is so much food to try why would you not take a little bike bike through every suburb and eat all the food that you can 100% recommend Sydney is the food capital um so try all the food um I particularly love Wendy Whitley's garden so just a view of Luna Park and the bridge and the opera house really pretty views um I love going to Centennial Park as well um just nature is is fantastic just to be around um, even La Perouse, really, really beautiful um, beach and very, very um, important because it 
really highlights the connections that we have with First Nations people and the connections that they've always had. And it really reminds you of how much history that we're surrounded by. So really immerse yourself there as well. Um, I love going to anything that, you know, teaches me about history and art. So art gallery, Museum of Contemporary Art, Fight Gallery. Um, yeah, these are all really cute spots. And then you always have food at UNSW. Okay, I'm not going to start the debate. But are we time for Thai or Matthew's Food Court? You make your mind up, guys, but get food and eaten on one of the lawns. Yeah, 100% recommend that. So that brings today's episode to a wrap. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at GroundedUNSW to stay up to date with upcoming podcast episodes and to get your say on things like guests you'd like to hear from and questions you want answered. Please rate and review the podcast and subscribe or follow our podcast channel to help us continue to grow. If you'd like to contact us, our email is groundedunsw at gmail.com. And finally, if you or someone you know is having mental health difficulties, do not be afraid to seek help. There will be some great links to some resources in the show notes, which you can reach out to if you need support. With that being said, until next time, stay tuned and stay grounded.